The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. So uh, I know you all follow my Facebook posts religiously, um, so, so this is probably not even necessary for me to say, uh, but, but due to the length of the, uh, the oh, sarcasm, uh, they always say don't do that when you preach, which is probably good, uh, but, but due to the, the length of the Acts of Love video, I'm going to shoot for 18 to 20 minutes, all right? I'm going to try not to go over 20 minutes for this message, uh, but if you read any of the comments in my post online, uh, no one thinks I can do it. Uh, and to be quite honest, I doubt my own abilities uh, to, to keep it under 20, so just brace yourselves, all right? It could be a long one. Uh, and, and here's why, though. Like, I love this text. I love this text. I love this part of the story of Scripture. Uh, and here's why. So, so we've been going through the story. Uh, we're going through the Old Testament right now. We've been in it for, for quite a while. And, uh, and, and what we've seen for most of the Old Testament is kind of centered around the people of God in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. And so we've seen their creation, and then uh, we've seen God deliver them from slavery, and then we've seen them kind of rise to power as a nation, and then we've seen them ultimately split as a nation and, and divide into two. And then most recently, we've seen them get conquered by outside forces and attacked. And all that's fine and it's important, right? But can I just be honest, as a preacher, the layers of translation from ancient geopolitical nation states to 21st century suburban Austin, Texas can be a bit cumbersome, right? Just can be a little tiring, okay? But now the Israelites are in exile. Exile's easy, man. Like we get exile. Simple translation here, because here's the thing, consistently throughout the New Testament, God calls the New Testament people of God, the church, you and I, he says that we are a people in exile, that we're people in exile. Whenever it's referred to in the Old Testament that we're citizens of God's kingdom, that we're members of his kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven, that's not just talking about some future date in eternity, that's talking about right now. God's saying, hey, I'm building a new people group that's combined of of people from all different nations in the midst of all different cultures, but they're going to be their own people. They're going to be a people in exile. They're going to be a people living in a culture that is not their own. And so we are in exile. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, what we see in our text today, let me just give a little context to, to what we just uh, went through with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it's, it's uh, 6th century B.C., all right? Uh, Babylon is the dominant empire in the world at this time. And, and so they've conquered much of the, the, the known world at this time. They've conquered Israel. And one of the ways that, that Babylon would ensure their dominance in the world was uh, a tactic they used called subjugation through assimilation. Subjugation through assimilation. So what that meant is when they'd conquer a people, so they conquer Israel, they'd take all the professional classes out of the country of Israel and move them into Babylon. So take the professional classes out of the And the hope is that as they're living in the capital city of Babylon, all these people, all the professional classes, will start to, to, to pick up the culture and the values and the worldview of Babylon. And so in a couple generations... The people of Israel will have fully adopted the values of Babylon, and, and so it's, it's subjugation through assimilation. Makes sense, right? You got no people, the, the people become Babylonian people, they're not other people. Subjugation through assimilation. It's, it's actually a pretty good plan. Uh, and, and so that's the context of our text for today. We got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are, are young professionals that, that are in the, the nation of Israel. They're, they're, they're Jewish, Jewish people by heritage, living in exile in Babylon. And so what we'll see in their story, though, is three things. We'll see the nature of exile, 
The importance of community and protection in the furnace, all right? Nature of exile, importance of community and protection in the furnace, all right? So let's go, let's look at the nature of exile. If you look with me at verses 13 through 14, it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? All right, so, so King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, sets up this big 90-foot-tall golden image for everyone to bow down to when the music plays. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're good Jewish boys, and so they don't bow down when the music plays. Now, did you notice how Nebuchadnezzar reacts? First of all, we got verse 13, and he's in a furious rage, right? He's ticked off. But I don't know if you caught it. Verse 14, his tone kind of shifts, right? He goes from angry to just sort of confused, right? He says, is it true you're not going to serve my gods or, or worship my image? Like he's just sort of baffled by what they're doing. Like, it doesn't make sense to him. He's like, why, why are you acting this way? And here's why. Two reasons. First of all, when, when Babylon would conquer people, they'd bring people in. They wouldn't force people to worship their gods exclusively. But they would tell them, you've got to add them to your pantheon. Right? So you worship whatever gods you want to in private, but when you're in the public square, you worship our gods. We don't care what you do in private, but when you're in the public square, you worship the gods that we put before you. You worship the gods of Babylon. See what I'm saying? Exile translation is so easy. Right? You guys get that, right? It says, do whatever you want in private, but public, you worship our gods. Second reason why is because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the second reason why Nebuchadnezzar is so baffled is because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't like weird, sectarian, religious lunatics. They're normal dudes. They're, they're citizens of Babylon. They've fully engaged the Babylonian culture. They've, they've got a Babylonian education. They work for the Babylonian government. Right? We know this. They live in the city of Babylon. And so it's weird to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, hey, you do all this other stuff with us. Why are you drawing the line here? Why are you drawing the line here? You do everything else in Babylon. Why are you drawing the line here? And so Nebuchadnezzar is just baffled. So why do our boys ask, act this way? Why do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live this way? They're totally engaged in their culture. And yet they draw a very clear line at bowing down to this idol clear line of nonconformity. Why do they do that? Well, when the people of Israel were, were taken into exile, um, God spoke to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he actually, it's, you can look at it in your Bibles, uh, Jeremiah 29, he, he, it's, it's titled, A Letter to the Exiles in Babylon. And God gave very clear instructions to his people living in Babylon at that time as to how they were to relate to the culture. And I just want to share some of it with you. So the first part, there's two parts to it. And the first part is Jeremiah 29, verses 5 through 7. He says this, he says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So in exile, the people of God are to seek the welfare of the city that they're living in. 
right? So they're, they're to build houses and plant gardens and grow families and, and fully take part in this culture and fully invest in the city that God has placed them in, which, oh, by the way, is why we do the things that we do as a church, why we had an awesome team of volunteers all day yesterday at the Old Town Leander Street Festival. It's why we're starting Acts of Love. It's why one of our goals as a church is to be present in our community. Because as exiles, our job is to seek the welfare of the city that we're in. We're to invest into it. But there's a second part of living in exile. And that comes in verses 8 and 9 of Jeremiah 29. I'm only going to read verse 8 because we're trying to get under 20, all right? It says this, uh, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. So there's this line that God draws for his people. He says, hey, engage the culture, seek the welfare of the city, be a part of it, but don't give in to the false prophets. Seek the welfare of the city, but do not abandon your covenant with me. Do not forsake your first love to me for the sake of these people. I come first, and because of that, then you seek the welfare of the city, but you don't compromise your devotion to me. And so there's this line that he draws. And see, if you've been living in exile... You know, this is a challenge, right? This is the challenge of living in exile, to engage culture completely, to love our world completely, but to not bow down to its gods. To love this world, to love the culture, but not bow down to its God. This is our challenge as Christians, right? That's why Jesus says stuff like this all the time. He says you're supposed to be in the world, but not... we got a small group today. We can say it loud. You're not in the world, but not... Very good, right? And, and he says you're supposed to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Right? This is a consistent theme in Jesus' message. That there's this point where, where we engage our world, but then there's a line where we draw, where we say, I'm not going to bow the knee. I'm not going to worship the gods of our world. My loyalty to Jesus is first. So how does that happen? How does that happen to us? Because it's hard to find that balance. And, and, and there's all sorts of traps we can fall into. There's all sorts of different ways that we can end up bowing down to the gods of this world. And as I think about our context here in, in sort of suburban Austin, uh, Leander in particular, I think there's, there's two major traps. There's a bunch of them, but, but there's two that, that I just want to talk about this morning. Uh, here they are. So first of all, let me say this. I love living in Leander, and here's why. Uh, because it's this weird culture, right? On the one hand, you've got like, King of the Hill, Texas, right? Like it is just full on Texas, right? But then on the other hand, you got, you know, all these hippies moving out of Austin. And so it's like these, these two worlds sort of collide in this, this burb here. And so, so, for example, I always tell people, people are like, so what's, what's Leander like? I'm like, let me just tell you about my first neighbor. Uh, she was a lady covered in tattoos, a vegan, who loved George Strait and marched in pro-life rallies. Like, I don't know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, you're just breaking every stereotype I could possibly have. You know, that, but I love it. It's awesome. Anyways, one day, I'm driving down 183, old 183, and in front of me are two cars that I think perfectly, they, they had bumper stickers on them that I think perfectly showed what it's like living here. And I'm going to have these bumper stickers up on the screen here, Sam, if you throw them up. Okay? There's both here, right? You guys ever seen these before? Seen both? Okay? Now, if you ask me, these both point to some, by the way, if you have one of these, just Get ready to be offended, okay? You send me an email afterwards. Um, 
So, so anyways, but they represent, I think, two traps that we can fall into as a people living in exile, all right? So let's just start with the first one, coexist, all right? That's a nice sentiment, right? And what's the message there? Hey, all religions should, should coexist peacefully, which is fine. I'm all for it. I wasn't planning on hurting anyone else, right? So, so that's good. Uh, but what's the deeper value that's being advocated behind this? The deeper value is, is tolerance, right? Is tolerance, And don't get me wrong, tolerance is actually a good thing. I'm fine with tolerance. But it's actually for the Christian, it's not good enough. It doesn't go far enough for the Christian. See, in a culture that has no moral or spiritual or theological foundation, the highest thing it can shoot for is tolerance. The best thing it can offer is to say, hey, I don't agree with what you say, I don't agree with what you do, I don't agree with what you believe, but I'm not going to bother you if you don't bother me. Right? That's the best we can do with no grounded moral foundation. But see, for the Christian, for the Christian, our aim is much higher than that. As a people living in exile, as we live and invest in a culture that's not our own, we can't bow down to simply being tolerant. Jesus has called us to aim for a higher standard. What's he called us to do as Christians? He says our aim is love. He says you're to love God. You're to love people. And so the Christian looks at that and says, I'll do you better than tolerance. I'll love my Muslim neighbor. I'll love my Hindu neighbor. I'll love my atheist neighbor. And everyone in between. I'll love all people, no exceptions. That's what I'm called to do. And see, people like that, right? But here's where people get uncomfortable. Because I love all people, regardless of their beliefs, I've got to connect them to Jesus. I can't just pretend that we're all touching a different part of the elephant or we're, we're all climbing up the mountain to the same place. I can't do that. Jesus is too good. His love is too real. The gospel's too important. I've got to get everybody in on that. Right? That's what love does. And see, the Nebuchadnezzars of the world are baffled by that logic. Right? They're baffled. Wait. Wait, so you're telling me you love everyone who doesn't believe what you believe and doesn't agree with the things that you agree with? and all? Yes. But you want them to believe in Jesus? Yes. What if they don't? Would you still love them? Yes. Right? It baffles the Nebuchadnezzars of the world. But that's what we're called to. That's our aim is love. We can't bow down to tolerance. We aim for love. A people in exile will always baffle the dominant culture. Now let's talk about this bad boy. Right? Good old American flag, Jesus fish. Now, once again, this seems innocent enough, right? Like, like I'm, I'm a citizen of this country. I'm, I'm happy I live here. I'm proud to live here. And I, I, I hope we do well. I hope we, I want what's best for it. And I'm also a Christian, so I love the Jesus fish, right? So that's, that's great. So, so what's wrong with this? Well, what's the underlying value that this is pointing to? Allegiance, right? This bumper sticker is saying, this is where my allegiance lies. And at best... This is saying my allegiance to my country and my allegiance to Jesus are on the same level. And at worst, it's saying my allegiance to my country and my allegiance to Jesus are the same thing. That's an issue. Either way, that's bowing down to a false statue. See, for the Christian, their highest devotion is reserved exclusively for Jesus Christ. He's number one. Nothing else even comes close. 
And so if my allegiance is first and foremost to Jesus, then my allegiance to other people is going to first and foremost be to his people. And so I'm going to have love for my brothers and sisters in exile in the United Kingdom and in Ghana and in Australia and in China and in Iraq. That's going to come first. Be a way higher allegiance. See, American values are not inherently Jesus' values, and they never were. We've always been in exile. And see, that too will baffle the Nebuchadnezzars of the world. Can't handle it. Wait, so so you're telling me that, that you vote? Yep. You care about the political process? Yep. You can serve in the military? Yep. You can eat too much meat and blow stuff up on the 4th of July? Yes, I can. But your highest allegiance is to Jesus? Yeah. He trumps all that? Yeah, absolutely. A people in exile always baffles the dominant culture. But if you've been living in exile like me, what you've seen in your own life, what we see in our text is that living in exile is hard, right? Baffling the culture is a hard thing to do. I mean, look at what happens to our boys uh, in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, if you don't conform to our values, if you don't bow the knee to what I want you to bow the knee to, If you don't accept these things, then I'm throwing you in to a fiery furnace where you're going to die. Let's look at how our boys respond. Look with me at verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now I think the response of these guys to Nebuchadnezzar is inspiring, right? They say, hey, listen, we're not going to bow down to your image. Say, our aim is bigger than just being accepted by the society at large. Our aim is bigger than just fitting in with culture and just tolerating everyone else. So listen, you can throw us in the fire, but our God's going to deliver us. Our God's going to deliver us. We think he will. Now he may not. He may not, but if he doesn't, doesn't really matter. We're still listening to him. Our allegiance is to him first. You do whatever you want, Nebuchadnezzar. Our allegiance is to God first. Now think about this. These guys are untouchable. Right? These guys are spiritually fireproof before they were physically fireproof. Now how does that happen? How would that happen for us? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways. But one of the things I think that's unique in this text that we see is community. It's community. You may not have picked up on it, but listen to, uh, to Ambrose of Milan. He's an ancient church father. He said this about this text. He says, What good friends those Hebrew children were whom the flames of the fiery furnace did not separate from their love for each other. Did you catch that in the text? Right? They're not only loyal to God, but they're loyal to one another. Like Shadrach didn't say, oh man, Yeah, these guys, I saw them. They were not happy about your image, but I'm cool with it, man. So you just burn them up, right? He didn't do that. I said, no, we're we're together. We're doing this together. We face the fire together. See, the only way to live in exile is to do it with other exiles. And see, this is why Sunday morning matters. And this is why small groups matter. Seriously. Seriously. And I know, you know, your schedule's busy, you got work and kids and sports and Netflix and, and you know, everything else that, that would come before the people of God. But if we are a people in exile, then we are a people in exile, right? We're not a group of people who individually, secretly believe the same thing and then we come together and high-five Pastor Gabe. I don't know. 
were a people in exile. And I get it, man. Everything in our world is geared towards making us relate as strangers to one another. But as God's people, we can't bow the knee to that. Our values are just different. They just are. So do you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can face the flames with, that stand by with you? And see, some people, man, you're waiting, you're like, ah, yeah, that's cool, Gabe, but like, my life's kind of a mess, and, and I just don't have things figured out. I'm just not as well put together as everyone else, and so I just, I don't think I could do that. Can I tell you, if, if you're waiting to get yourself put together before you connect with other people, it's just never, ever going to happen, right? Like, we're, you're never going to be completely put together, and in fact, the best way to engage other people is when you're in the midst of flames. Let me give you just a very, very small example. So, uh, the small group that I'm a part of is, is not perfect. Um, it's, it's awkward sometimes. Uh, we don't get together as often as we should. Uh, but can I tell you, uh, a week ago Friday, so not this past one, but the one before that, our small group got together, and we just had a meal and we hung out. And uh, this is what went down while we were there. Uh, Melissa and I literally signed the contract on our first ever house that, that we bought. And so, so we did that. Meanwhile, the hungers were like packing stuff up for the house that they're trying to sell. Um, and then the Jalufkas had just had a kid, so they were nowhere to be found. And then, um, then the Deckingas, I don't think I've ever seen all four of them in the room together at the same time. I just don't think it happens. And, and so we had, you know, two and a half of them with us. And so it's just this crazy thing. We're all together. And so there's no perfect cheese tray laid out for everybody. We didn't even have a Bible study at all, let alone an in-depth one. But it was us. It was a group of exiles together figuring out how we live in exile as a community. It matters. We need that. And so invest in your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be a part of a small group. We got the sign up out today. You can sign up. Connect with people. Be intentional about that. I know we're a young church. We're just getting started. These relationships, we're just figuring them out. But we got to invest in one another right now. We got to be intentional about that. Community is imperative in the midst of exile. But what we see in our text is that it's not enough. Community is great. It can help us be spiritually fireproof, but it's not enough. We need protection in the furnace. So our boys, they don't bow down to the image of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the furnace, and then this happens. Look with me at verses 24 through 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar throws three guys into the furnace. He looks. There's four guys. It's crazy. And then he says one of the four, the the extra guy, looks like a son of the gods. The word he uses when he says gods is, is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the same word that is used for just God, big G God, our God in Hebrew. So Nebuchadnezzar looks and and without even realizing it says, man, I'm looking in there and it looks like a son of God. It looks like God is in there with them. This is what we call a a theophany in the theology world. Theophany, it's a visible appearance of God on earth, right? But, But he doesn't just see God, Nebuchadnezzar. No, no, no. He sees a son of God, the son of God. What does that sound like, right? This is a picture of what we call the pre incarnate Christ. Is a picture of the second person of the Trinity. 
prior to his incarnation as Jesus of Nazareth, born as a little baby on that first Christmas. This is a picture of the second person of the Trinity here in the Old Testament in the furnace with these guys. This is amazing, right? Let's just realize where Jesus decides to show up here. He shows up in the furnace with three guys. Let's think about when he was here on this earth and and he did his ministry. What did he say? He said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Three guys in a furnace. And then Jesus says, hey, if the world hates you, if you live as exiles and things get tough, remember that it hated me first. And remember that as you go and make disciples, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm in every furnace with you. See, regardless of the furnace, Jesus enters into it and he offers protection. And you say, how can I know that? How can I see that? How can I become spiritually fireproof like these guys were? You do it when you see that Jesus threw himself into the ultimate furnace for you. That on the cross, Jesus faced the white hot wrath of God that you might never experience it. That the flames of hell burned against him and because of that, not one hair on your head is scorched. It takes on the fire of sin and death and the devil in order that you might be delivered completely unscathed. See, when that sinks in, that's true of you. You're spiritually fireproof. It only makes sense that you'd live as a citizen of his kingdom in exile until he returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for this story. And we can see what it looks like to be faithful to you in the, the midst of, of uh, false gods, in the midst of things that would claim our heart, would claim our allegiance to you. Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would help us be a community, that you'd help us be a people that love one another, that, that help one another look to you in the midst of, of, of our world. And Lord, we pray for our friends who are not with us this day, that we'd remember them, that, that they'd be uh, connected with us again, Lord. Lord, I just pray that um, you would teach us to look to Jesus who protects us, who makes us fireproof in the midst of exile. I pray this all in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.